This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome back to the 2.1 cast. This week we're speaking about James McFadden and that infamous goal in Paris since it's 10 years since it happened. Can you believe it's 10 years? How old do you feel right now? Uh, pretty old, yeah. yeah. I cannot believe it's been that long. Do you remember where you were when it happened? Um, I was at my friend's house and then celebrated by jumping on top of a table and one of my friends uh, punched through a door. Uh, That's going to take yeah, some beating. I'm sitting on the just knowingly nodded along. When yeah, I mean, I think I was on the couch, but I did more than knowingly nod along. But, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, that was like, that was like the most Stefan tale ever. The best Scotland goal ever. I, just yeah, I was sipping on a brandy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I doing? I honestly can't remember what I was doing, but I'm sure I enjoyed it. I mean, do we get a bit carried away with the McFadden goal? Or, or is it categorically the best Scotland goal ever? <laughs> um, okay. no, no in between there yeah, no, it was either definitely shy or yeah, the it's best bla- thing it's ever and white. it's black and white guys come on um, I think you'll get a different answer on that depending on the generation um, I think for my generation um, that is the kind of one really great Scotland moment that we've had maybe if you, you know, you're slightly older than us you've seen Scotland at major tournaments and um, even France 98, I mean, I remember, that's maybe like my first footballing memory, but I don't remember much of it. I remember the Brazil game, I remember bits of the Norway game, I think it was in Centre Park. The so Morocco route. I don't remember anything of the Morocco game, but um, that's probably just as well. France 98 was a great experience from what I remember about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's kind of that one moment that that um, we have is, is that McFadden goal and, and you know maybe it'd be different if Scotland had qualified for major tournaments there would be other moments but that for, for me that's it's more about the moment than the goal itself obviously the goal's a you know stupendous goal but it was because it was against France in Paris and also it's the reflection of that whole campaign I mean that campaign was the only one time where as a Scotland fan as a Scottish football fan you felt like Scotland could actually compete at the top with France and Italy, and, and that goal is the kind of the single reflection of that of that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there for for our generation. It's it's even that campaign uh, that stands out for me as the kind of unfortunately the high point and what has been a, a lifetime of sadness. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, some start of this podcast. No, I, well. I was actually thinking about this. Um, How have you managed to turn like the greatest Scotland moment <laughs> and turn it into the most depressing open to a podcast? Quite looking forward to this today. Do you know what? Actually, I was thinking about this at the time. I was like, I think you know the the, the goal, the goal is against Ukraine, which was like such like a one like a a long run and such a fantastic. You know, he dribbles past the last defender, then dribbles around the goalkeeper and scores. I remember is that, that. Sorry, is that is that maybe against Macedonia? Is that was that in the Burley campaign? No, it was against Ukraine, the 3-1 win over Ukraine. Wasn't the Ukraine one like quite a long ranger? No. Oh well, so maybe I've got it wrong. I've, I've got it open in front of me. Right, so this, Hamden, is, so. so this isn't very good uh, audio. Yeah, that's yeah. like, that, that's Mace- I think that's Macedonia. That's the Burley campaign. I always do it by strips. I was picturing in my head, that's not, it's a yellow strip, isn't it? But it's not yeah, Ukraine the, the, I mean, he scored a belter against Ukraine as well, but I think the Ukraine one was the, the very first yeah, one in that video we were watching. Yeah, the this is the Ukraine one where he takes the touch and fires it into the. Oh no! Yeah, that, yeah. Sorry. That, yeah. See, I was thinking about this actually. This is what it is. I was thinking that 
I remember the Ukraine game meaning so much more to me than the France game actually because the Ukraine's kind of game we were really hoping to win. Mm. Um, but in terms of actual goals, like it is as outstanding as we remember the one against France. That is, it was. Well, let me just be a buzzkill uh, for a minute. Should well, we've not had enough of that yet. Well, I'll I'll take the the, the kind of thrown away from you. Should the keeper have done better? Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> uh, that's kind of the the, the unwritten um, thing about this this McFadden goal is is Mikel Laundrie who was the goalkeeper that night. I mean, he completely flaps at it, doesn't he? he flaps it into it's his top good. corner, um, and that's one of the things when I we've done quite a bit of content this week for for ten years since McFadden's goal and and um, spoke to Hamish Husband who is the get this title right the spokesman for the West of Scotland Tartan Army I think. Um, and he was in the stadium that night and basically he was saying once the euphoria died down in the part of the France they all were chatting to each other saying well how the, how the hell did the keeper not save that because <laughs> you know he's not he's not in the worst position he's not miles out from his goal and he just kind of flaps into the top corner but um, he goes with his wrong hand he does it? yeah he does that thing that a lot of keepers it really annoys me when goalkeepers go with think, with the, for shots with the wrong hand the Lionel uh, Sherboni I think is yeah. what I like to call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um uh, yeah, I mean it is a hell of a strike. We're just watching it now um, on Stefan's laptop, but, but the keeper should probably do better with that. See, I'm also sure actually because I see like when you watch it from the from the side of the view of the the, the halfway line or like from the touchline, it'd be the ball continues to rise as it goes towards goal. So it's not as if it's dropping over him and he's just let a lob or anything like that. Mm. I'm, I mean, yeah, he probably should have saved it, but I don't think it's anything. It's not like he dropped the ball in his own net or anything. And still an exceptional goal and. You know that ball they're using as well was like kind of notoriously just flew around. Oh the place. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, I mean just talking about the concept of it as a goal and you know is it the most famous goal or the best goal in Scotland? I mean I'm I'm not sure if it's my f- if it's the most synonymous goal. I think Archie Game was against Holland was actually probably the, still the more iconic one as like in the whole of Scottish international history. But for our generation, that's the high point, and I don't I don't like the idea of taking away from it by saying the goalkeeper should save it because I don't think it's as cement. You know, I don't think it's clear cut as that, to be honest. Okay, let's just move away slightly from the goal. Let's consider this: is, is that result in Paris the best in Scottish football history? The best result. Um, best result. It's uh, um, in my lifetime, I think so. Um, obviously, there's what? Well, what would you talk about? You would talk about beating Brazil. Uh, sorry, beating England in um, '67, but. It was a friendly, was it? It was a friendly match. Um, you would talk about in my lifetime. You'd talk about beating Netherlands in the in the playoff, which of course another McFadden moment. But then we got absolutely uh, pasted in the second leg. Um, so I mean, I can't really ring off all through all the decades, all the results. Um, but. In my lifetime, yes, it's. I mean, that France team at that time was sensational. Like, it's a really good I mean, side. Obviously, Italy were the world champions, but and they were also in the group. But France were the runners up. And actually, if you look through the team and compare it to Italy, I think the France team was full of, had more kind of um, legends of the of the game than Italy. I mean, Italy, as I say, won that World Cup. But uh, I think Turam was at the back, and they had Trezeguet and Henri and. And um, just countless players who, who who were legends of the game, like proper legends. I know that word gets that gets thrown around quite a lot, but they had a legendary team at that point. What do you think? Do you think there's a result that's more significant or better? I mean, I don't. And I, know, and I think it's obviously a sad indictment the fact that this is a result in qualifying for us 
where we against the runner play one one nil. Fantastic result, fantastic goal. But to turn up a damper on it is a really sad indictment of where we are as Scotland fans that we haven't really had a historic win or well hold on there there's the 1-1 one, one draw against Japan to win the Kieran Cup <laughs> which... oh, yeah, true, true. I mean, yeah yeah okay fair fair, fair. yeah I, I mean that's kind of where I come down on it to be honest with you I mean the goal's exquisite and obviously you know it's great memory and at that point there was genuine hope around the Scotland team um, but I, I don't think the result itself you can't say that result was the best result in Scottish football history because the result meant nothing you know I mean Scotland <laughs> It might be hard to imagine now, but Scotland did just to make it to World Cups. You know, like for example, nineteen seventy four World Cup, we we finished in the group with four points level with Brazil and Yugoslavia after holding both those teams to draws. You know, that's something that we couldn't even possibly comprehend now. You know, so well one because Yugoslavia doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's a fair point. Um, but you know, so yeah, I mean. It's 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 actually kind of bittersweet actually, isn't it? Because we think back on it with such good memories and stuff, how great goal it was and a great result it was, but it was ultimately a doomed campaign uh, in a period in Scottish football history where we haven't accomplished anything, uh, and that's the ultimate truth. We haven't accomplished, and so I think it, it's it's I think it tarnishes the rich history that the Scottish national team does have by suggesting that it's better than those things. We've obviously done a lot of kind of content this week, as I've already mentioned, and, and looking through the research, the thing that I hadn't really realised, I'm sure it did at the time, but you know, 10 years later, the thing I'd forgotten was that that win over France put Scotland top of the group with two games to go. This was a group Italy, How did Italy we mess Ukraine. that up? I mean, Jesus. Was that Georgia then Italy? Am I right in saying? Georgia then Italy were yeah, the last was two games. that strip? I'll never bend the strip. I'll never forget <laughs> I actually that. liked that strip. Oh, vile. <laughs> Absolutely vile. Georgia as well, that is a bogey team. I mean, I know we've got quite a few bogey teams, but Georgia's top of that list. Yeah, there was obviously that infamous free kick Italy one in the last game. Yeah. Because I remember I was in a very rough pub in Cumberland and people were people were not happy uh, when... Was that, that where, where, where Hutton got, gets absolutely flattened absolutely. and then they gave the free kick yeah. to Italy? Did, did, did that matter in the end, though? Was uh, it, it didn't actually matter, but I think it was just more like... We just like to remember it as yeah. the moment that we were robbed. It was oh, ridiculous. I mean... You say obviously we've not had anything as significant result-wise since then. Have we come close to the kind of euphoria of the McFadden goal in that moment? I mean, obviously you remember the Peter Martin commentary, and it's it's a great moment in Scottish football. Have we come anywhere near anywhere near that? I mean, I know it's been not great for us the past few years, um, but Maloney's goal against Ireland yeah, was, was quite a, close. Yeah. I mean, not 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 really, but I mean, it was an e- an excellent goal yeah. and um, came at a cru- crucial point in the campaign, so fairly comparable, I suppose to. And at that point, it felt like we were going to qualify. I think there was quite a, a lot of optimism that Scotland were going to qualify. Um, what else would there be? When you look at this campaign, the fact that that goal from Chris Martin against Slovenia is so significant to us, it shows how far we've fallen. I mean, well, well, maybe that will be <laughs> the moment maybe, yeah, in maybe, this campaign. Maybe. We'll look back. Um, what, what other goals would there be? The PK on goal against Spain, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> that being he did us a solid that one time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Shakira, Shakira. Oh dear. Right. Okay. So, Graham, you spoke to James Van himself this week. Mm-hmm. What was the impression you got about he, how he feels about the goal? I'm guessing positive, but how? how what did he say? <laughs> He's very relaxed about it. I'll, I'll say. Um, um, he, he, he agreed to. This sounds so shady, but he agreed to meet me in a car park, uh, <laughs> and uh, on Friday night, it doesn't make it sound any better. Um, and then we we spoke um, weird, really surreal experience. Actually, interviewing him in my car, um, but he's obviously very proud of it. But 
I think it's a combination of both what he's like as a person and a player as well. He was always very quite like languid as a as a player. He was he, he, I don't want to say he didn't put effort in, but it was like that impression that you know. I remember a quote from him saying that a lot of people think I'm absolutely blowing after twenty minutes, but actually I'm fine, <laughs> which is kind of the impression you got from Jesse yeah. Fadden. And that as a person, he's like that as well. So speaking to him, he. he it, what you know, obviously, he's very proud, as I say, but he's very laid back about it, and maybe that's just a a, a knock-on effect of this week. How many people are talking to him about it? He was ringing off all the newspapers and so on who have who have spoken to him about it. But um, I just get the feeling that he's all very, he's very laid back about it. The interesting thing as well was that actually, if you look back at the video, his celebrations aren't that like crazy. He just he's just kind of like, all oh, right, okay, we got the goals. You know, I keep it a better. No, but he doesn't. It's not like he wheels off like Gemmel or something against Hell Holland, for yeah, example. Yeah. And it's just like an old fashioned celebration. They're all doing Klinsmans down by the side of the touchline. <laughs> like it's nothing like that at all. He just kind of and that's what he was like as a player, wasn't yeah. he? He was always quite nonchalant. I can't remember. I can't remember exact his exact quote, but there were words to this effect. He was saying that the the home win over France. That felt more euphoric was than that the, the away. Goal, yeah. yeah, the Caldwell uh-huh. goal. That felt more euphoric than the away win over France because the 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 first one um, came when there was no expectations of Scotland and to beat France was sensational. But by the time the away game had come round, it was all about qualifying and they had their eye on the ball and also Scotland had beaten them once already, so they knew they could compete with them. So he was saying actually the home one was the, the one that they celebrated more than the That's away one. And and he 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 mentioned that the next day he I think he flew separately to Everton well not directly to Everton I don't, <laughs> don't think that flight exists yet but um, past Everton yeah exactly um, but he he went on his own back to back to his club side and and Everton had a really crucial moment um, in their season at that point so he didn't really have much time to enjoy it and and the, the moment I, the, the, sorry the impression I got about that moment was that. It, he was so focused on the next two games that actually he didn't enjoy it at all. And then the next two games were obviously a damp squib and he never really got that chance to enjoy that goal. Yeah, which is a sh- which is obviously a shame. It was, I mean, it was the, unfortunately the very like definition of glorious failure. We'd beaten all these great clubs and competed and it, it really was the group of death. I mean, it was Italy, Ukraine, France. Well, even even Ukraine made the quarterfinals of the World Cup yeah. with, with three teams that got to the last uh, eight of. And Shevchenko was still there, wasn't he? At the time, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, it would have been because obviously yeah, he played in like Euros yes. much later than that. So um, yeah, Ukraine were a good team. I actually think you touched on it earlier, Stefan. But in terms of that campaign, I think the win over Ukraine was actually the the peak of that campaign because I just remember going into that game knowing Scotland were going to win and Scotland just won 3-1 yeah. you know it was just it was just such a confidence per, confident performance yeah. and the epitome of how at that moment it's you know I can't really fathom how it must have felt at the time but we felt we we're going to qualify it wasn't a hope that we we're going to qualify we we're going to qualify from this group and two games to go after the France game we were top yeah I mean I, I, as you say like you compare that to now 10 years later and it really is like a completely different feel around the national, uh, the national team. I don't know why my voice is breaking. Sorry, it's <laughs> twice, it's twice now. I'm just get emotional. I'm just get emotional. Emotional and prepubescent, apparently. Um, let's move on before my voice breaks again. Oh, it just did it again. Um, looking at McFadden himself, what makes him so special to Scotland fans? Obviously, there's the, there's the goals and obviously the kind of performances they put in that are very memorable. But what is it about the man himself that that is so important and like made Scotland fans love him? I think McFadden kind of embodies that old cliche, like he wasn't a scorer, a great scorer of goals, but he scored great goals, you know, and another thing that I, I've, I actually kind of really went back and realised actually when we were kind of doing a bit of work for this podcast was that 
his best football was actually usually for Scotland, which is such a an old fashioned thing you just don't really see in modern football anymore. You know, he's sure Everton fans appreciate him and obviously Motherwell fans still love him, but like at his best, at his peak, he did it for Scotland when you could maybe argue that he never really hit his peak domestically to a certain extent. Um, and it wasn't just I mean he scored like fifties he's got I think he's got fifteen goals for Scotland, you know, maybe four of them against families, but he scored eleven goals for Scotland in the space of like six years, which is nothing if you think about that, you know? Um and they weren't just simple like it wasn't like he was just racking up goals against Faroe Islands and stuff like that. Scoring goals like we, like as we talked about, you know, the France game, the Ukraine game, you, you mentioned, mentioned the Moldova goal he scored the there Netherlands as well, Yeah, he scored in the playoff like, against the Netherlands. So it was he, he was like you know like like you were just saying back then in the Ukraine game Scott went to that game expecting to win and they just did it and I think he more than most players in that squad embodied that 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 confidence and that belief that yeah they had the ability to go do that and I think that's why he's always been so well regarded because he was a safe pair of hands and I can't downplay the fact that even though you have good players who then play well for the country I always feel like he gave his absolute all for Scotland. Um, and maybe more than he ever did for any club side, perhaps. Mm, and I think another factor as well was where he came from as as a player. Um, you know, I don't want to overplay the particularly at an inter, international level. I don't want to overplay the influence of Celtic Rangers. But the fact is, about fifty percent of the football fans in this country are Celtic Rangers fans. And he was a Motherwell player, mm-hmm. and then went to play for Everton. And you know, if you look over the last five years, maybe someone like Scott Brown is the the most accomplished national team player we've had, but there will always be Rangers fans or even fans of opposition sides who, you know, have a bit of a rivalry with Celtic. Even Hearts fans, for example. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, he won't get the adulation because of that. McFadden was was a Motherwell player. Um, And he also, he was just... It's a sound, all sounds so cliched when you when you talk about it, and you, there's it's impossible not to talk in cliches when you're when you're talking about McFadden. But he just looked like he enjoyed f- playing football, um, you know. And and that's kind of that's kind of maybe had a negative impact on his club career because you you always felt like there wasn't that much ambition to his club career, um, and he's carried that into his thirties. I mean, now he's he's training with Queen of the South. You know, when I met him, he turned up in a big fancy car. He doesn't need the money. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just playing, at, you know, training with Queen of the South to get a contract because he can, he wants to continue playing. Yeah, I think another thing we can't then play as well, just the way he played football as well. He was such a good footballer in the sense that he he was just exciting, very direct. We, yeah, exactly. We don't have many players, if any players, like yeah. that really. I, I remember, I remember back then, genuinely believing that James McFadden could skip past any defender. You know, it was that belief that yeah. Because I, I didn't grow up with great Scotland players. Neither none of us did really. You know that age of old players had, had gone by then. But he was maybe the only player I could imagine who, when he came up against Ukraine or France, like I could see him skipping past like Turan or something like that. You know, and and he, and he did. You know, and as as we talked about the goals he scored, and that, that's it's it's that old idea that you know, like for example, a winger or something like that, they bring so much joy to the crowd because it's so direct and they offer that ability. And I think McFadden really encapsulated the idea that. You know, for the first time for our generation, here was a player, here was a squad that were doing better than they were expected to, and here was a player who, you know, could show that he could match these teams and these nations that we thought were better than us. I mean, you touched on it there. He's obviously in his thirties now. He's he's at Queen of the South. Um, has he? And it's obviously a difficult question because injuries and everything else. Has he fulfilled his potential? No, he didn't. Um, as you mentioned, their injuries is obviously a massive part of that. that so we need to. We need to factor that in. Um, from a Scotland perspective, I think it's a real shame that 
he never made it to a major tournament. Of all the players you could say, Scott, I mean, I say all the players, there's maybe a handful of players we produced who were befitting of an, an, uh, an international tournament. I'm thinking like Darren Fletcher, probably Craig Gordon or Scott Brown, you know, sh uh, should have played at an international tournament at some point. They deserved that. But above them all, McFadden, for all he did for Scotland, he never got a chance to, to play at a, a major tournament. So that's quite sad. At club level, um, you know, at Everton, he was he was a key player for the, for them for a long time, particularly when they they they, they had um, a lot of good years under David Moyes, and, and and so I suppose in that sense, he did fulfil his potential for a little while. He was he was pretty much Everton's key player for maybe a season or two, um, when they were qualified, you know, qualifying for Euro European football and so on. So um, in that sense, but he, he never had the consistency, and I ju I just wish he had. I think he should have come back to Scotland earlier than he did. Um, he kicked around in England for a, way too long. He went to Birmingham, which worked out for a, a bit of season, but then everything uh, turned to mush there as well. I was looking through his, obviously doing the research for all the content we've done um, this weekend. Have you mentioned Have you mentioned that before? No. <laughs> well, you know what's the point? What's 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 the point in a podcast if you can't plug the stuff you've done? Um, yeah. So. Uh, uh, in preparation for all the content <laughs> we have done, um, and I noticed that he'd had a loan spell at Sunderland, or sorry, not even not loan spell, just a, a spell for three months oh, at Sunderland. Really? I don't remember, I that, don't remember that. Who, who were the managers at the time? Um, was, it, was it just after Birmingham? Or? After uh, yeah, I think he had. I think he left Birmingham and couldn't get a club, and then. Oh, okay. And then, or did he go back to Everton? Actually, see, I'm, I'm, I think he went Everton, Birmingham, Everton, then left Everton, and then went to Sunderland for three months. Yeah. I'm looking, reading through Sunderland, going, I don't remember this. Oh, I, I could not, um, not told you that. So that's at the point. I think after Birmingham, he should have probably come back to Scotland. I always felt like he would play for Celtic at some point, and it never. I think there was. Yeah, he was always linked. Yeah, there was yeah, always yeah, rumours yeah. every summer, and it never happened. He could have still done a job if he came back to like a Celtic. I mean, he's certainly like another club in like the SPFL. But if he'd been to like an old firm like yeah. club, he could have done all right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem of his club career was that injuries just constantly seemed to underplay him. He had that metatarsal injury at Everton. Uh, even when he went back on loan to Motherwell, he had the back injury, and I think in Birmingham as well, he had a knee injury. So. It never really worked out from that regard. Just in, and for a player like him who has to be so pacey, has to be so quick, it was so hard coming back from those kind of injuries because it takes like six months to get your pace back, and by that point, Other you know, muscles. for example, I remember I always remember that Everton signed Andy Johnson, and that seemed to be the kind of like beginning of the end for him at Everton. Even though he had a manager there who obviously thought he was a good player um, and gave him a lot of time, it never worked out because after one thing after the other. Um, injuries got in his way and I wonder if that again just plays into why he did so well for Scotland because unlike most players he, he never really played a huge amount of, he, he was never playing week, like week in week out season on season for really any clubs especially at Everton there's always huge gaps and things and we were quite fortunate in the sense that whenever he was fit it seemed to fall in line with campaigns he'd be fresher yeah and that, he yeah. was yeah and I think maybe maybe on a psychological level it, it played into him that he felt he maybe felt the tension was off. Or he felt the pressure was off, and he could go play for Scotland. And there wasn't that kind of thing, like because imagine, like if he's come back from injury at Everton or, like you said, at Birmingham, then he has to once again prove himself all over again. But it's Scotland because the, he knew the fans loved him, and he already he hit the ground running with the national team. He, he probably felt far more comfortable with it. One of the issues was maybe I think he didn't really change as a player as as he got towards thirty, and with injuries hindering him, you know. He was good enough technically to 
come deep and play as you know he would often drop deep as we, as we see with the Moldova goal where he kind of takes it from the halfway line and 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 drives at players. Now obviously he wouldn't be able to drive at players when when he when he loses that yard of pace, but he was good enough technically to pass the ball around. And I just wonder if he if it might have, if he might have become a central midfielder, like almost a deep lying central midfielder. Um, everyone always uses the example of Paul Scholes when they talk about players doing that. But let's leave it to say Paul Scholes. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think um, he might have been good enough to 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 play in that position, um, but. Even even now, I mean, we're talking. I'm talking about him as if he's retired or something. He's he's still trying to to get a new contract, and he's still that same player. And I, I do. I just think he needed to adapt a little well, bit. Better. What is it? Forty-eight caps he's got. Yes. Uh, so why don't we just put him in for two friendlies? Get him another two caps. <laughs> get him in fifty. Get him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we had. We well, it's not as if the campaign's doing anything else. You know, I mean. <laughs> also, as well. If would we have a manager that was less likely to do it though than Gordon Strachan? I mean, better than Chris Martin being in there anyway. Just oh, surely not. I know someone who actually genuinely thinks James McFadden should still be in the. I won't name names, but does genuinely think James McFadden should still be in the Scotland squad. Really? Yeah, like almost as like a a living playing statue. <laughs> I mean, do you know like oh, you know how they put a statue outside stadiums to commemorate like great yeah, moments? Yeah. He he thinks McFadden should just be in the squad as a permanent like statue. Well, so, as, as you guys know, I'm never tired of saying this, but you have to prove yourself at Queen of the South before you can play for Scotland. That's how I say about every player. Yeah. Uh, you ever been to the Queen of the South? Uh, I've ever been there. Yeah. No, I've never been. It's quite a strange place. Really? <laughs> yeah. Place. Really. Well, we've got a couple of friends in Dumfries, Stefan. Yeah. Uh, They're weird as well. Too, they are very weird. When I when I <laughs> when I went to uh, a Queen of the South match. Um, there's a guy in the main stand with like an old school rattle, so he's he's doing this he's doing this thing for the first half, right? He's going like this with with, with an old school rattle, um, like whirling it whirling it around. I'm like, geez, enough with that. And then the second half starts to get too out, <laughs> <laughs> starts doing with the other ha- the other hand. Uh, he's definitely doing this to wind me up. To continue the segue for a moment, our our good friend Matthews from Dumfries and he was telling us about like the actual Queen of the South competition they have down there. It's just the weirdest thing ever, where the whole town comes out and votes for like the prettiest girl in the high school. What? And then they put in the her, high school? Yeah, and then they put her on the back of this van or something and just like march her through the town and everyone. I'm quite concerned that some of that isn't true because that is a defamation <laughs> suit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, va- the van bit can't you, be right. You might have been wound up there and the we're going to get a lawsuit Allegedly, allegedly, okay. <laughs> in the back of a van. <laughs> like on a pickup truck, not in a van. Oh, right, I think we're just in the back of a van. Like, how would they see her? Like transparent. Windows. All oh, right, of course, windows. <laughs> Those great, those great things. Um, let's just kind of move away from uh, lawsuits. Um, finally, will we, talk, will we still be talking about this goal in 10 years' time? I, I, I think probably when you, you look at, we still kind of look back at Archie Gemmell's goal with a certain fondness. Do you think? I mean, for goodness sake, Scotland still talks about beating England in a friendly in 67. World champion know. 67. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yes, we'll still be talking about this goal in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you know. If... We've got a lot of flaws as, as as a country, but in terms of footballing moments, we've we've got pretty good memories. Um, I suppose that's because we don't have many of them to remember. But yeah, we'll still be talking about this goal in ten years. Yeah, time. I mean, did you earlier on when you're talking about the goals since then? Did you mention Lee Griffiths' free kick against England? No, I didn't actually. Well, that's that's probably the closest that's, one actually. That's, actually too. that's a good shout. Um, yeah, two and goals like, goals. so I think we'll be talking about Lee. We'll be doing like a ten year anniversary of Lee Griffiths' goal against England, and once again, we'll be talking about this amazing goal. And what's that quite good, nothing. What's quite good is it kind of fits in with the McFadden goal in terms 
terms of Georgia and Italy in this case is Kane's goal, like just ruining everything because <laughs> like the, the glorious failure continues. Well, at least we found a way to consolidate that uh, yeah. that disappointment into like a split second moment. Yeah, so yeah. it's just one big tragic circle, unfortunately. Yeah. And on that note. Uh, I think we'll just wrap up for this week. Uh, thanks very much, guys. Uh, again, if you want to follow the 2.1, we're on social media at, uh, and Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook at the 2.1. Uh, to find out more about how to subscribe so you can get uh, lots of great Scottish football content, head to the2.1.com. Until then, we'll see you next week. <laughs>